For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong. I wouldn't have it any other way. Welcome to 2024, brand new year, brand new legislative session, and we have a new legislative agenda. To talk about the legislative priorities for the New York State AFL-CIO and our 3,000 affiliates is our legislative director, Mike Neidl. Mike, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is always a lot of fun. This is one of the funner things we get to do, Darcy, so thanks. No pressure, right? Uh, Well, maybe some. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) So um, I'm talking about all the new things, and we have a new labor chair. So um, let's start there, and then I want you to kind of like give us a little layout of how we get to this point with our agenda. But first, let's talk about the new labor chair. Sure. We have have coming back into session. It's going to be a very exciting year. One of the real exciting things is that uh, we have a new labor chair in the assembly, Harry Bronson from Monroe County, who's worked with labor for a very long time. He's replacing a very good friend who resigned uh, for other opportunities, LaToya Joyner from the Bronx. And obviously he's joining some old, other old friends, our Senate Labor Chair, Jessica Ramos, who's been a, a champion on many of our issues. So we have a lot of good advocates in both houses to move forward. And re- we're really excited in this new year with all these new opportunities and some new phases. Great. Um, so let's talk a little bit to remind people about how we get here to our legislative agenda. I mean, we've got 3,000 affiliates representing 2.5 million members across the state. So putting that together and getting that input, just remind us what it took to get to this point. Yeah, this really came together over the last six months. We had a number of committee meetings in different policy areas, and we meet with our affiliates individually as well as a group. And then after those committees have met and we've got all the ideas, I think, that our affiliates have put together from those various sectors, we put those ideas to the board and um, the board, which makes up the vast majority of our affiliates, approves that agenda, gives input. So we're finalizing all that now. And within the next two weeks, we'll have our 2024 agenda out to the legislature and for the general public and everyone else. Okay. And so what we'll do at the end of the show for people who are interested, we'll let them know how they can get that information because we can't cover it all. That's quite extensive. We have a long list. Yes. So um, let's talk about some of the priorities. So if I said to you, you know, out of the top 10, top five, what would come to mind for you to make sure we include? Staffing and recruitment and retention is still a, a problem and an issue throughout the workforce, private and public sector. And you know, last year we were able to work on some of those issues. We successfully passed minimum wage increase to help bring uh, individuals into the private sector. This year, we're going to focus on, on tier six in the public mm-hmm. sector and pension reforms. Uh, one of the biggest inhibitions for people to get into public sector, one of the, one of the biggest obstacles is um, the long-term um, benefits. And pension is one of those, a, a good, sound, fair pension program. When tier six was enacted in, in 2012, it really took away one of those incentives to get into public service. And, uh, the, you know, over the years that has evolved into a huge problem in delivering quality public services. So next year we have a number of ideas to make those reforms. 
One is to reduce the contributions. Mm -hmm. Right now, many public employees have to pay 6% of their salary, 5% or 4%. Our goal is to get that back down to 3%, what the other previous tiers had to pay. That alone would help recruit many, many people into public service. But we're also looking at uh, improving how the final average salary is calculated. That will, in effect, raise the pension benefit for people. So they know that when they stay over the long term, it, they reap the rewards at the end of their career. So we have a few things we're working on. There are many other issues involved with tier six to make it equal to tier three and tier four, but the contributions and the final average salary are sort of rising to the top, what we're hearing from our affiliates. So we're gonna push those as well as some other issues related to overtime and uh, and some other things in tier six. That and when you talk place. about that contribution, really was when someone gets an increase, it's almost like it's immediately erased, right? Because they're forced to contribute more if it bumps them up. A hundred percent. Sometimes salary increases are diminished or completely obliterated mm -hmm. if you just have to pay more on the other end for your pension. And that's a really good point because one of the things we have to work on is continuing a bill um, that we successfully got two years ago, but expires this year. And that stopped your contributions from going up if your overtime raised mm -hmm. your salary enough that it forced you into a higher contribution rate. So we wanna keep that from happening so that you don't get penalized for working overtime. Right. Oftentimes mandatory overtime. Right, good point. Um, what? Give us another priority we're focused on. Uh, looking at the responsible development and use of artificial intelligence in the workforce. Uh, this is a new issue for all of us, and we're still really doing some research and working with the national AFL, CIO, and our affiliates on this. But you heard the governor talk about making it a priority to incentivize developers of artificial intelligence to set up in New York State, which is a good idea. But we want to make sure it's done in a responsible way so that we're not incentivizing the loss of jobs or the replacement of jobs with artificial intelligence products. Um, on top of that, artificial intelligence is popping up everywhere in the evaluation of work and the evaluation of quality of work, as well as, the screen, as, well as screening for candidates and applicants for jobs. So we wanna make sure that it's used in a fair and responsible way, that it's used in a transparent way, and workers know when their information is being used in the, in the artificial intelligence versus a traditional human resources setting. Uh, and then finally, we have to make sure that the, there's data security and privacy. You know, um, when artificial intelligence has access to social security numbers, healthcare insurance, I'm sorry, health insurance issues or healthcare issues uh, and all kinds of other personal information about um, a person's work evaluations and performance, mm -hmm. we wanna make sure that is also protected and it's not being used irresponsibly. So there are a lot of issues and we've seen this pop up in the entertainment industry. Right. We've seen it pop up in um, healthcare. We're seeing it in the professions. So it's virtually, it's affecting virtually all workers across the state. Right, it was central to the SAG after strike, the writers' strike. That was a, a main concern that they had. Um, what? Give us another priority we have. Uh, this year, unemployment and, and making sure our benefit is improved as the statutes require. Right now, our benefit should increase every year. But due to the problems we had with COVID and the economic problems, uh, the trust fund deficit due to that high unemployment rate is pretty large. And as a result of the deficit, the benefit level has been frozen since 2019. 
So um, in a dollar amount, that means right now a $504 benefit is the maximum anyone can get if they unfortunately go out on unemployment. Um, what we want to do is get that benefit to the level it should be at, and that should be around $750 uh, per week. So mm -hmm. there's a big shortfall there. So we want to look at restoring the health of the trust fund, but also getting that benefit up as fast as we can. And we're also looking at uh, a situation to restore equity for those who go on an unemployment as a result of being on strike. Right. right now, striking workers have to wait for three weeks before they're eligible to collect benefits. All other workers have a one-week waiting period. So we want to equalize that because it's, in effect, a penalty on union members for exercising their rights. And when you talk about benefits that get frozen, it makes me think of TDI, the Temporary Disability Insurance benefit. Uh, that's also a priority for us. Absolutely. And a very positive note, the governor talked about this in the state of the state and, and has it on their list. It's something we've had on our agenda for years. The benefit, if you're injured at work, temporary disability, I'm sorry, if you're, if you're injured outside of work, mm -hmm. workers' comp covers you if you're injured at work. If you're injured outside of work or develop an illness and you cannot work, Temporary disability insurance is what you would rely on in the absence of a negotiated sick leave or disability plan. The problem with the temporary disability insurance in our state is that it's capped at $170 a week, which no one right. can live on. Mm -hmm. And it's been at that level since the early 70s for a very long time. So the governor is talking about increasing that benefit to two-thirds of the average weekly wage as the cap. In other words, a person would be able to get two-thirds of their pay up to that cap if they're injured outside of work and can't perform their jobs. So we're really excited that that's on the agenda and we're going to work to make that happen. Okay. Um, I know another priority priority for us will always be addressing um, concerns related to healthcare and that industry. Um, talk to me about that. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a really good point. We have an overriding uh, issue about combating state policies that institutionalize poverty. Uh, and many of that, those are built into our tax code. They're built into our education and healthcare policies. So starting with healthcare, uh, we're working with our affiliates. 1199 yesterday had a big rally about uh, making the Medicaid reimbursement to safety net hospitals fair to actually pay the actual cost of healthcare. Because mm -hmm. right now it doesn't, and those hospitals are shortchanged when they care for people who don't have insurance or are underinsured. Um, you know, that doesn't just have to do with poverty. That has to do with adequate staffing and better mm -hmm. health care services and health care quality. So we're working on all of that. But it does tie into poverty because Medicaid is the program for those who can't afford insurance. And then on top of that, we're working on educational policies. We're going to try to reform our um, tax policies so that you know, right now when IDAs and local development companies and many of our state tax incentive programs that are designed to lure jobs and employers to the state, we reward those employers, but we don't do a good job at tracking and making sure that they're creating real jobs mm -hmm. to replenish those taxes in that tax base. Jobs that people can afford homes and purchase homes and pay their taxes in the local communities and, and afford basic necessities. Speaking of that, housing is yes. a really important mm -hmm. issue on the, on, on the agenda. Um, that is something we're working with the building construction trades and other unions to make sure that 
One, as we build housing, we have labor standards in the construction, prevailing rate, so that the very people building those houses can actually afford to live in them, and the rest of the community has access to this. Um, it's been pointed out to us over and over that we shouldn't be talking about affordable housing, we should be talking about housing for everyone. Mm -hmm. So um, basic necessities like healthcare, housing, food security, those are things we're going to talk a lot about next year, and it's built into many state programs that we need to reform to improve that for everyone. Okay, and before you go, one more um, area maybe I know there's a priority for us. Can you just update us on climate? What's going on there? Uh, absolutely. Climate has been and remains a major priority for us. We've been successful over the last several years of building in critical labor standards to ensure that as we transition from fossil fuel to, um, to uh, clean energy, mm -hmm that we are doing it responsibly and not destroying good jobs for bad. We wanna create good jobs and protect as many jobs in the fossil fuel industry as we can and retrain them to operate in the new uh, clean energy area. Mm -hmm. So that involves Buy American, that involves prevailing rate and PLAs on the development and construction of new clean energy. That involves labor peace agreement and the operations and maintenance of those new uh, facilities by the new employers. So we're gonna continue doing that and moving into next year, there's gonna be a lot of uh, talk and the governor has already proposed uh, the, uh, new transmission, development of upgraded and better transmission of energy across and throughout the state uh, and, and some other new development programs for, of, uh, of um, renewable energy. So we'll be involved with that and continue that program as well. Okay, I know we just touched on a few things. Um, so um, got your work cut out for you. We all do, I think, getting all this over the finish line. And hopefully we can have you back in about six months when the session wraps up and we'll go through uh, the successes. Uh, and we look forward to that as well. But we'll make sure we let people know how they can um, see the rest of our agenda. So Mike Nidal, Legislative Director at the New York State AFL-CIO, thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's great to be here. Joining me on the podcast is our communications coordinator and the editor of this podcast, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. So Mike touched on some of our priorities for our legislative agenda, um, which is always a, a working document because things could be added to it. Um, but where can people find out uh, the full agenda and, and when do we think we'll have that? So on our website, there is a wealth of information. We've got a whole section for legislation. Uh, so that's where we put up our legislative agenda. If it's not up already, it's going to be up very soon. We're expecting it around the 22nd of January. Uh, on that section as well, there is a budget breakdown when the time comes for that. There is a uh, wrap up for our last legislative session. Just keep a lot of uh, information there. Um, not just legislative stuff on our website. We've got uh, our podcast lives on the website. We've got events, our endorsements. Uh, so it's a good place to go to stay up to date with uh, New York's union movement. All right, great. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.